Welcome to the Inimitable Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast, joined uh, by Jason as always, and my name is Dave, and we are here from drink5.com, fantasy experts giving you a better outlook on your draft. Uh, Today we'll be talking about the... I like that line. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Write that down. (laughs) Yes. Today we'll be talking about the preseason. Uh, Last week we talked about quarterbacks, and uh, I think, Jason, you, you would wrap that up pretty nicely. Um, taking our rankings, which are available at Fantasy Pros or on our website, and looking at how they compare to the ADP and expert consensus ranking, which is from all the other experts that participate in Fantasy Pros. So uh, because we look at them like that, we can pick out those guys that we are higher on or lower on than anybody else, and that's that's pretty much the meat and potatoes of the discussion. Yes, and I think that that's a good way for us to say, hey, these are the guys that you should keep an eye on one way or the other. The rest of the guys are, everyone kind of accepts that, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck are the top quarterbacks. You know, there's no debate there. That's, you know, going to be the way that every draft goes. Yep. Yep, exactly. So, we're going to be talking about uh, running backs uh, for this year in mostly standard leagues, unless we mention otherwise. But, uh, as always, right, just keep in mind that pass-catching running backs will score more points in a PPR league. And so once you know that and you kind of get the gist of our discussion, you can pretty much use it however you want to uh, based on your league's rules. And I know, Jason, uh, for example, you're in some leagues that are standard and some leagues that are PPR and some leagues that are 0.5. Yeah, I definitely have a uh, mixture of all of that. I think I am in at least two of each. So it's all there. So you got to be prepared for all of it and just sort of move the slider around at will while discussing about these guys. So, uh, like I said, last week we talked about the quarterbacks, and uh, we're going to talk about the running backs today, and I think we're going to attempt to talk about them, because uh, the quarterbacks, I think, are a little bit easier to go over just because they are constantly under center, they're always in every play unless they're injured or they suck. There's fewer of them as well. Right, so all those things makes it a little easier to say, uh, Andy Dalton, throughout the season, will do just as he did as an average of the last five years. And it's easier, yeah. Like, it's easier to say that. But a, cor- a running back, for example, will probably never have that situation unless their Frank Gore and runs for a thousand every year. Yeah, just over a thousand yards every year. Because <laughs> most of them are definitely more up and down. Uh, and so one of the things that I did in preparation for this particular uh, podcast was uh, went to a couple of uh, experts that I value highly for their advice. One of these guys' names is uh, John Pulse, and he's from Four for Four dot com. And I've been paying attention to this guy for a long time. He does AMAs on the Fantasy Football subreddit, which I recommend to anybody trying to stay in the know. On reddit.com. Right. And for the four people who don't know what Reddit is at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now it's it's basically the same thing as like BuzzFeed or whatever. It's just a, I remember trying to explain the website to people. Like when it's, six years ago. Yeah, right. and I like, you know, that always ends up happening to me, like trying to explain tech to people. But like, sure, know, it's just one of those things that is now ubiquitous. Yep. Uh, and in other places, on Fantasy Pros, for example, he's finished in the top five accuracy rankings, uh, I think, four years uh, out of the past five or something crazy like that. So uh, a great guy that it's his job to take these numbers and analyze them. 
Anyway, um, we talked about this in the past, and I just wanted to touch upon it, uh, about how perhaps wide receivers are safer or more dependable picks uh, at different points in the draft than running backs are. Yes, go back and listen to our draft strategy show from two weeks ago, um, and we really break that down, but they are, suffice to say, overall safer picks. Yeah, so you check out this particular article. It has some good analysis, a lot of uh, numbers and graphs that he pulled up from the past 10 seasons of data. And they always do stuff over there, or at least John does, at 4 for 4 by looking at the VBD, uh, you know, the value of players and taking that in comparison to their, um, uh, I'm sorry, the... You're talking about warp, wins over replacement? No. Not uh, wins, but well, it's, like it, how much better they are than a replacement? No, but it's similar. It's what we talked about before with the relative value. So you have a baseline for each position. Right. And then if you're trying to determine how good someone is or, or what you should draft them at, you would assign them some value based on their previous statistics and uh, you know regressions, etc. That's similar to what we do. We do something in, this, in a similar vein. Exactly. So his research seems to indicate, uh, and, and again, check out the link. I'll, I'll put it on my article. But it's over at 4 for 4. And I think it was like March or April of this year. And what he finds out is that the top two running backs in any given year, averaged over the last 10 seasons, will generally outperform every other wide receiver and running back in the entire draft. But the drop-off after that point favors wide receiver value until much later. So, for example, over the last 10 seasons, in which this data is from, after the top two running backs have been taken out of the equation, five of the next seven receivers offer relative value above their trend line, but it's only true for five of the next 11 running backs. So basically, if you can't get um, like one of the top guys, and I'm talking about top, top tier, yeah, uh, then you should wait and get a lot of running backs a little bit later. That doesn't mean... That makes uh, sense. It doesn't mean subscribe for zero running back strategy. It means if uh, people are going to take seven running backs in the first 10 picks, you should not be among those last four or five. And that's interesting because the data back set up, and we were saying that last year, just uh, from completely different perspectives, when we kept, you know, uh, stressing, like, buck the trend of when people go on runs, you need to, you know, you need to know that there's better value elsewhere. At that point. Right. And and like you, you know, draft from tiers and many people do and, and you should in general. I, I would suggest that to people. But if uh, you're looking at your tier and suddenly you're up to the second, you shouldn't think to yourself, oh, no, I'm not going to get a, a tier two running back. I might get a tier three. You should think to yourself, let me get a tier one wide receiver instead. Absolutely. Because you won't be able to get a tier one wide receiver if you sit there and, and take a tier two running back. Then you get another uh, Tier 3 running back or a Tier 2 wide receiver. You basically have a team without a top guy. Right. And you don't want that in fantasy football. Right. You're better off with a Tier 1 wide receiver and then coming back around for like a low Tier 2 running back. Yep. Another interesting bit that he includes is that running backs taken <laughs> a little bit later, even just a little bit later behind uh, around the turn, which means early second round, tend to outperform those that were taken in the middle of the first round relative to their draft position. Yeah. So if you're taking a guy like last year, like a DeMarco, like DeMarco Murray, Murray last year, yeah, that's exactly example. what popped in my mind. So he's like uh, end of the first, beginning of the second, and that's a lot better than taking a guy who's like number four or number five who you lose a lot of value on. Yeah, a few people took Adrian Peterson early on last year. You lost a little bit of value on that. Sure, but, but AP, I mean, his situation is weird. Well, there's always a chance for a running back to miss a season. Right, and that was even put it that way. But that wasn't even injury. That's the weird thing. You know? Yeah, and last year was definitely an outlier because Peterson and Ray Rice uh, both missed the entire season due to non-contact, non-physical injuries. 
Well, to them. <laughs> there was physicality in To, in to those stay interviews. within the NFL, I think a guy maybe like uh, LaShawn McCoy would be a good example there where uh, he would have been drafted up very high with everyone else, right. but did not live up to that very high standard people set early on in the year. Yeah, and I guess what we're saying is there's probably a couple of those guys, and that's backed up by the data as well. Just going to be every year. That if you're not taking uh, those certain guys at the very top, then you may end up uh, with someone who doesn't play or, or performs uh, you know, undervalued yeah. or overvalued. Uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit about the top 10 guys, and I just want to go over... Our top 10 guys. Yeah, so our, our rankings here, um, and, and they may differ a little bit from other people's, but there's reasons behind them. And without going too much into those reasons, I want you to just uh, take this guy and tell me the first thing that comes into mind when you hear his name, okay? Okay. So we'll play a little word association. First, Jamal Charles. Um, can score at any time. <laughs> Marshawn Lynch. Will run you over. And C.J. Anderson. Is going to catch 80 passes. All right, so those are our three guys that uh, comprise the top tier. Uh, now, some of you might be thinking, well, where are Adrian Peterson, Eddie Lacy, Le'Veon Bell, and DeMarco Murray? Well, they're all in the second tier. So and that's a loaded second tier. It is. So why, uh, for example, do you think that those other guys floated to the top of, of these particular rankings? And keep in mind that, that this is heavily based on uh, how much people do whenever they touch the ball. Exactly. And that's exactly uh, what it is. Jamal Charles and C.J. Anderson are electric when they touch the ball. They can score at any time. And Marshawn Lynch has actually shown that because he has some of the greatest highlights that we've seen in the last 10 years, just running over people for 60 yards. Yeah, he has like a, a 60, 70-yard touchdown He should get run. two touchdowns for those plays. He gets extra points for those. <laughs> I mean... He's going to score 10 touchdowns a year, uh, most years, and I would assume that this year will be no different. Right. Even though they have a new uh, goal line target with Jimmy Graham, they're still going to want to run it a lot, especially after the end of last year. Sure. So based on what we were saying, if we're going by our rankings, which we are, of course, uh, if you can get a guy like Jamal Charles or Marshawn Lynch, then you need to take them uh, in those first couple picks. But... Say there's a couple more guys afterwards. C.J. Anderson, Adrian Peterson, Eddie Lacy, Le'Veon Bell, DeMarco Murray. They all go maybe in the first round there. So would you be able to stop yourself from taking one of those people from Tier 2 if you were presented with them as an option in the first round in a standard league? Um, you know, looking at them, there really is a lot of talent there. I'm totally going to take Le'Veon Bell if he's available late in a first round somewhere if he was to be like the sixth guy off the board and I could get him at eight or seven. Yeah, I mean, he is out for two games in the season. Now, a lot of people say uh, he'll probably still get over 300 touches because he catches the ball so many times and because he is like sort of the undisputed guy over there in Pittsburgh. Missing and, two games, I, I can live with that. It's but, missing more than that that I really shy away from drafting those guys. But it reflects here in that he's not going to be the number one or two guy uh, just because we already have him starting out at a disadvantage. Uh, in a PPR league, he moves up a lot. Absolutely, and uh, so does DeMarco Murray. Uh, okay, and so the third tier I have, and I'm going to do a little bit more than 10, but just quickly, Forte, Jeremy Hill, Justin Forsett, and LaShawn McCoy. Yeah. So those guys, they seem, and they are guys, that could definitely go out there and be a top 10 They're all guys. running back. However, um, there are also guys that have issues uh, whether it be with the offense, as in Chicago and Cincinnati, or in Baltimore, Forsett, is it an outlying performance? 
Is it something yeah. that he'll repeat? He's been around for a long time. He's never had anything like last year. And LaShawn McCoy now is on a new team with a new coach, and he didn't perform that well last year for several reasons. So is that something that you can count on him being uh, back and better from? And it makes sense, you know, uh, that these guys have more questions or further down the list. Not to say that those inform where we put the uh, people in the first place. Truly. Uh, and so if you want to see uh, all the rest of the of the tiers and things that we have set up, we'll include them in the article uh, that we'll put out this next week after the show. But just very quickly, I'll, I'll go ahead and go up to 15. And that's uh, tier 4, which I have Alfred Morris, Andre Ellington, Frank Gore, and Melvin Gordon in. Those are all guys that are the starters on their teams. Um, Alfred Morris and Frank Gore... And Melvin Gordon, to some extent, although since he is a rookie, we're not really sure what he's all about yet, are all just hard runners that are going to get a ton of early down work. In fact, all of it. Uh, And it seems like Melvin Gordon is already lined up for at least first and second down work. Yep. Andre Ellington, on the other hand, is involved in a little bit more of a kerfuffle in Arizona. But the reason why Andre Ellington is up here is we saw it in the first preseason game. He's going to catch, you know, he's going to have huge plays. He had a 56-yard reception in that game. Uh, he's going to be very explosive when he gets the ball. He won't have as many touches as these guys, though. Right, so that's what you're looking at here. Uh, we have other guys on the list. Like I said, go check it out later, and we'll talk about some of them right now. Uh, so let's go into undervalued running backs. And when I say under, undervalued, part. okay, what I mean by that is the guys that we have up on our rankings higher than the expert consensus Again, from Fantasy Pros, if you're just tuning in, you can go check out all that stuff right now by going to FantasyPros.com and checking out the rankings. Or Follow along as you listen. Or you can look at our rankings specifically from Drink5.com where we have the preseason rankings up. Uh, and then the ADP, which is the average draft position. And that stuff is all contained on the rankings, so you can easily look at it. Anton Smith is number 52 on our rankings, and he's my first undervalued running back. Now, keep in mind, if someone is number 52 on the rankings... That pretty much means that if you're in like a, let's say, a, just a regular standard Yahoo league, he's off the radar unless you want a flyer. The only reason why you would pick him up and be on a, on a team solidly or be drafted is if you're in a deeper league um, or in a league that values touchdowns more than other uh, statistics. Mm-hmm. So he's 29 years old, but he's only really played in two years. Um, in 2014 season, he finally had enough touches to even be viable for us to rank him. And he ended, <laughs> he ended the season with 366 yards and five touchdowns on 36 touches. That's insane. Yes, it's insane. But he broke his leg toward the end of the year, and he finds himself you know, behind Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman, uh, and maybe even another guy. Who knows? So the problem with Antone is whenever he's out there, He's explosive. He's amazing. He literally gets about 1.76 points per touch based on uh, our our stats that we Look have. Look at for this him. average. He averages 10 yards per touch, and he's a freaking running back. Right. So he's a flyer pick, but we know, Jason and I know, that at any time, Anton Smith, if he becomes a guy that gets more than two or three touches per game, will be a top 20 running back. 10 touches per game makes him. Like, a totally viable fantasy option. So you have to keep him in mind. And you look as the, um, you know, as, as their team starts the season, uh, if if he does end up getting more touches than, than just a couple per game, then he becomes someone you must immediately grab before everyone on the NFL Network and ESPN start having shows about Anton Smith. Right. I mean, they're yeah, that's absolutely right. As soon as, like, 
he is shown in a highlight, he's going to be owned everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so I think he'll eventually make it there. He's always been a guy too with that team that I, I know because I uh, pay attention to like some of the Atlanta beat writers and stuff. Uh, that he's always been like a clutch guy there. If they need a play, they bring him out. Uh, you could say maybe they know something we don't know, but hey, here's what they know: if they don't bring him out there, uh, then they don't have to pay him the big bucks, and they can keep on the team forever. Yeah, but you're stupid. Like, what if this guy really is a superstar? He's not. They may think he's not big enough. He's only five nine, one ninety. Yeah. So, but he's so fast. I mean, he's very elusive. He's very quick. Uh, it's crazy. You know, it, what's funny is. Uh, in 2013, you know, you said he didn't have enough sample size. The The sample he did have was fun, though. It was five carries for 145 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, basically, whenever he's out there, he scores a touchdown. It's it's insane. It's and his long is only 50. So he's pretty much like uh, like similar to a Jamal Charles, um, but doesn't ever get any touches. Right. So let's move on. Uh, I think we both agree. Although, putting him at like 50-something makes him Means out he's of, still going to be a... Yeah, um, He's out of reach. A waiver pick. Uh, but I did. I picked him up actually in a deeper league just because I don't want anybody to even have the possibility of taking him later. Look, when you find that you need to ditch somebody because they got injured or something, and you don't really need to pick up a, a starter to replace them, pick up Anton Smith early in the year. You're not going to regret it. Uh, Danny Woodhead is number 25 on our rankings, which is a lot higher than the consensus ranking of 42 and the ADP of 47. Now, the reason for that is his statistics really only allow us to grade him on a couple of years, and every time he gets the ball again, he does end up doing pretty well with it. The problem is that he's not always uh, up for that many touches. Uh, Now, before he was on the Chargers, he was on uh, New Orleans, right? New England. New England. And when he was on New England, he didn't get a whole lot of uh, run on that field. Yeah, and we all know that New England spreads the ball around more than anyone else, really. Exactly. So, uh, the first season that he was really doing great stuff was with Philip Rivers and the Chargers. And well, I, I shouldn't say that. No, about he Danny. had good years did, in New England, but he never had enough touches. So correct on that year uh, in the Chargers for 2013, he rushed 106 times for 429 yards at four yards per carry, which is good, especially for a little white guy like him, and two Little-wood touchdowns. Head. And he put up 76 receptions for 605 yards and six touchdowns. That's the important thing here. So Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Really, no matter like where he was on the field or how they brought him out into the field, he was being used. He was being used in a big way. And now he still is on San Diego in that same offense with those same people, except now he has a rookie running back who's running ahead of him. And it's a rookie running back that is not usually involved in passing downs. So you're looking at almost the same situation as in 2013, plus the fact that uh, he everything everyone has said about him says he's back to full yeah. speed, he's healthy. So there's no reason for me to think, honestly, that he won't have about the same amount of stats as he did in 2013. Eight touchdowns, 76 receptions. You can't go wrong with that. I mean, that's going to be a very solid guy to keep on your bench and start every once in a while, start in the flex every week. If you're in a PPR league, he's starting every week. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about standard. He was number 19 overall in standard scoring leagues in 2013. And he only had 186, 182 touches. Which means... That's like half of a DeMarco Murray. Yes, yeah, exactly. And, and Woodhead can't have that kind of uh, work on him. It's just not going to happen. But regardless of that, say we plan for a regression like we usually do on these players that have a career year and then we balance them out... 
he'll still end up being uh, overall probably like number 25, which is why we have him ranked there. RB3. I think he's firmly in RB3 this year because he's going to be the guy who's showing Melvin Gordon the way. Unless Melvin Gordon is a complete phenom and they can't ever like justify taking him off the field. You're right. It's like Le'Veon Bell situation. Like If, if, if the Steelers had Danny Woodhead... Le'Veon Bell wouldn't be getting as much well, work. Well, no, see, and that proves our point, too, because, like, Danny Le'Veon Bell... Is worth it. And Le'Veon Bell was a, a receiving threat in Michigan State. Yes, so and that helps keep Gordon any guy not. on the field. Yeah, exactly. Melvin Gordon is going to run your ass over. <laughs> uh, any last words about Woodhead? Uh, you know, just thinking about Woodhead's stats in 2013, his touchdowns were great, and we value any player who's going to score touchdowns you know, more. We love the guys who score lots of touchdowns, who score them more frequently. So if he regresses, that's why Charles and Lynch probably. and Anderson are on the top of our list. Right. It makes perfect sense. And fantasy football is about, you know, you're only going to get the 200 yard games every once in a while, but you're going to get 100 yards and a touchdown from a lot of good guys. Yeah, you need those and touchdown guys. Need. Right. Because they're the ones that make you win the individual matchup. So unless you're playing some other kind of fantasy sport, where you're, uh, you know, you're not actually playing one on one. You're doing uh, what's that called? A rotisserie. So unless you're doing a rotisserie, where you're playing against everybody at the same time, and it's all just point based. If it's all points, or you're comparing stats or something like that, you have to beat the other person. You have. That's the bottom line. Right. So you want players that score touchdowns. You want players. You want that, the highest average per week. Yep. Uh, moving on, we have Giovanni Bernard, who's number eighteen on our rankings, which is, you know, it seems pretty high, but really isn't for him. So, uh, expert consensus ranking is number 28 and the ADP is 27. We have to look at his stats and say that there was a slight slump in his sophomore stats and he did deal with an injury there. And the problem with Giovanni Bernard really is that last year, everyone thought he would be the running back for the whole year that had, you know, the most carries that was the guy that was uh, Cincinnati was dependent on, right? But Jeremy Hill came in and proved himself to be fantastic, and they couldn't leave him off the field. Right. He was that kind of guy, like we were saying earlier. So Unless now, guys like that get in your way, you're good. Right. So now the problem is uh, Giovanni Bernard being explosive and good, kind of like Andre Ellington to some degree anyway, um, he is only going to be getting third down back touches, uh, which is less than 10 touches a game. And he got 16 average in 2014. So because Jeremy Hill is now the lead back there, Giovanni Bernard does take a big hit. But is it one of those situations, Jason, where Bernard will find a way to score points uh, where he's just going to end up being uh, someone that comes out of the backfield and still scores you like 70 yards and a touchdown, even though he's not the lead back? Uh, I think that he's definitely got that in him still. So interestingly enough, you know, his stats weren't that one-sided to the beginning of last year. The end of last year, he did taper off a little bit, um, but he still was producing enough to make him worth fantasy starts. Um, But he's got almost the same stats for each year of his career. Everything's off by just a little bit. He did regress just very slightly last year. So I'm thinking that the the leap that everyone thought he was going to take at the beginning of last year is not going to happen. But I do believe he'll be like this, which is like... um, well, no, it's he can't similar, be because he would have to have 16 touches average again in 2014. I think he may still. I think that a lot of this offense is going to be I don't Jeremy Hill will, and Giovanni Because Bernard. I don't think Jeremy Hill took on that role until halfway through the season, at which point, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Jeremy Hill then also have some kind of injury that prevented him from you know taking as many 
carries. Anyway, well, I when I look at Giovanni throughout the whole season, his touches per game don't vary that much. At the, I would say the beginning of the season might be eighteen, the end of the season might be fourteen. Well, Hill was a rookie last year, right? Right. So last year, Jeremy Hill's. So now that Cincinnati has sort of made Hill the lead back, I think we can expect that there will be slightly less touches for Bernard because last year he was. Uh, he was the guy who was experienced, whereas Hill was not. So you have to think that they give Hill more touches, right? Because he's the early down back. Whereas before they would, I would split think, series. yeah, based on you know the law of averages for sure. But still, our rankings of number eighteen are based on us giving him less than ten touches a game. So if he does get more touches per game, that would mean that Giovanni Bernard would, just as you said, uh, average around the same as he did in previous years. Regardless, he's a top 20 running back uh, as far as how we're looking at him. So how do you draft him exactly? Um, Well, you you look at the ADP being number 27. Okay, Number 27 for running backs is where we're looking at taking guys like C.J. Spiller and Carlos Hyde. So taking Giovanni Bernard probably um, maybe a round earlier than those guys would would be in your is best what we're looking interest. at. We're not saying, yeah, because of this, you don't need to take Giovanni Bernard as the 18th best running back. He's probably going to fall at several more rounds. Unless everyone's looking at our rankings when they're drafting. Uh, a lot of uh, people, like in the Yahoo leagues, ESPN leagues, etc., have him pretty far down. But I do agree with Jason's assessment, and which is mine as well, that regardless of whether or not he has 10 touches or 14 touches, He's still going to be uh, probably a low end uh, top twenty running back. Yeah, I can totally see that. And uh, and I think he'll get more work if the Bengals are losing because well, they'll, they they won't be just running the clock out as much. And that's what Jeremy Hill is going to be for. Sure, exactly. So if you look at these teams a little bit more and you see, uh, are they going to be you know needing someone who is like a Shane Vereen type of person rather than the Garrett Blunt guy? You know, and I don't know why I'm using the Patriots as an example, but <laughs> a lot of teams have that combo of a bruiser and uh, a quicker guy who is more known for catching passes. Well, I think they all do, unless that guy is the same guy, right? Unless it's Matt Forte or Le'Veon Bell, <laughs> right? Uh, okay, so so I think we agree there. So he's a guy to target in your drafts, and you can get him a little bit uh, after that number eighteen if you're looking at your own rankings. But if you wait too long, someone's going to scoop him up as a value target. Uh, Chris Ivory, number 20 on our rankings, and he's ECR 27, ADP 31. So the experts in general rank him a little higher than the ADP does already. Uh, number 31 is really far down there as a running back. That's, For a starting running back. That's entering into RB4 territory. Now, Ivory was a guy that, again, people don't know that much about because he was with the Saints, had some good games in 2010, but then didn't do much of anything until he was traded to the Jets for 2013 season. Now, there, he almost had uh, 1,000 yards all-purpose on 216 touches and 7 touchdowns in the 2013 season, which is pretty good, but he was still flying under the radar because he wasn't one of those guys that was top 15. He wasn't getting enough touches. The other Jets running backs that they have, Bilal Powell, Zach Stacy, and St- Stephon, or Stephen Ridley, are not really that they're not going to do much to him. Okay, Stephen Ridley, I think, is on the pup list. None of them are on threats to, yeah. And Bilal Powell and Zach Stacy, they're not really going to play very much if the Jets can help it. 
So that means that you have Chris. If things Ivory. are going well. You're right. They won't be playing those guys. And there isn't even a third down back really. I mean, so that means that Chris Ivory is going to be involved in a lot of those because he is the best pass what blocker is on Ridley the team. Really expected back. Well, he's entering the season on the pup list. Ugh. Um. So with the recent news that Ivory may start being more active in the passing game as well, and the current lack of depth at the position. I think Chris Ivory might end up being a guy that finishes top 20. And I think us putting him as a ranking of number 20 is probably undervaluing him. Oh, really? On, on a Jets offense that got a lot better this year, they're going to be running the ball, they're going to be close to the goal line, and look at a guy like Chris Ivory that scored seven touchdowns in 2013 with the Jets' terrible offense. Do they improve with Fitzpatrick instead of Geno? Yes, Fitzpatrick makes them a better team for this year but does not make them a better team going forward. It seems like every year Fitzpatrick is on a team. Everyone always says it about him. You know, they're better off with Fitzpatrick this year than whatever the alternative is. <laughs> he just goes around being a little bit better than the rookies. Well, and he's reunited with uh, with his Buffalo OC, I believe. That who, should help. Who made him... Uh, it should his... certainly help the transition, if not... The, the play itself. He had his best years with this guy. And you say what you will about those kinds of pairings and, and whether or not they actually work going, you know, looking into the stats. Yeah. But I would rather be with a guy who, you know, called plays that, that had my best year of stats than be with somebody else that I've never played with before, right? I mean, that's easy. Um, so any other guys you want to touch upon or any comments on those on those players? Any other of the good values? Um, well, there are there are plenty of values, but you know we we only have time for a certain amount. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, I, I really do like Denard Robinson. I know we like him more than uh, everyone else. Um, Andre Williams is maybe the other guy who I would uh, say is probably going to be more valued uh, on our sheet than everyone else, and he's a guy that you should look at picking up towards the end of a draft because he could by week four or five end up being the starter in the Giants. Well, we'll actually talk about that right now. Oh, my bad. I didn't realize he was next. That's not your bad. That's fine. Oh, we're, oh, we're going to go the, on the other side of that. Exactly. Okay, I got gotcha. you. So, I mean, you're, you're looking... I just, I just segued you in, naturally. You're looking at this in the right way. Yeah. And if anybody has any comments or anything, or if you're listening, you can join our chat room here on Mixler. Um, again, we are the Drink 5 podcast. Uh, myself, Dave, and Jason across the street from me here. Uh, we've been doing this for a number of years now, and I need another beer. So maybe you want to talk about uh, you our got guy, a beer right there. Our guy Rashad Jennings. But you can go get a beer anyways if you want. Uh, so Rashad Jennings is number forty-two on our rankings, and he has an ECR of thirty. So he is definitely uh, valued by the experts more than he's valued by us, and his ADP is twenty-four. So that shows you, you know, the opposite of the pattern that we were looking at with the other guys, really. Uh, he's being drafted way too high. Everyone thinks he's not worth that, and we're kind of just stressing that point, I suppose. <laughs> um, so he was the number one guy for most of last year. Andre Williams sort of started filling in, and boy, don't I know it, he vultured the hell out of a bunch of touchdowns because I was starting Rashad Jennings on my, one so of my teams. I take it you have uh, Rashad Jennings and, and uh, Andre Williams made you upset last year at some point. Yeah, and I have Andre, I have Rashad Jennings again because it's the Dynasty League. And keep in mind, Jennings is 30 and, and Williams is 22. Yeah, oh, like I said, I think Williams is probably has a very good chance at taking over. He looks good. But Jennings is still the number one guy there. Yes, as of right now, he's still the number one guy. And he was good in Oakland. He had uh, six touchdowns. Um, he ran the ball well. So, 
you know, we'll see what happens with him, but I think that he's vastly overranked, and you don't want to pick him up this year because other people are going to be picking him way too early. Let him. Yep. That's uh, kind of the, the whole theme of the overvalued guys is just like, you know, it's not that they're bad players. It's that other people are going to pick them way too early, and there's better people to pick at those times. Yeah, there's a whole list of people that are just not good picks. Not for you, because you are the informed listener of our show. You are not just someone who, uh, you know, is stumbling into their draft with a, with a hangover and a Yahoo uh, ranking sheet. Right. right. So that's not how these people play fantasy football. So please, you know, be informed. You get a hangover after the draft, not before. Study hard before. Don't don't look back on uh, on your draft and say, "I wish I had known of that about that person." Um, Bishop Sankey, number fifty six on our rankings, ECR of thirty eight and ADP of forty two. So that means people are taking him as like a running back four and or even five, and he is basically a guy that. Had control over the job in Tennessee last year, but didn't do anything. He had 3.7 yards per carry, only two touchdowns on 152 carries. Um, now Dismal is right. a good descriptor. And now he's got a, a rookie, David Cobb, who's coming in. Who a lot of people like to maybe steal that job from him. And you also have Dexter McCluster, who's kind of just the gadget guy, who they love for he's some like reason. He's like half of a Danny Woodhead. I don't understand why people like him so much. Every team is on. They're like, we're going to use Dexter McCluster a why lot. Why do they call him Scatback? That's such a bad name. Is it because he's kind of shitty? I call him a shitback. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he's, uh, as a fantasy football commissioner like you are, you can never tell if he's going to be a running back or a wide receiver. You're like, shitback? Oh. Uh, but Sankey looks to settle in to... Pro Fryer is the new piece of crap. Right. Uh, to a role as long as he can as the lead of a committee. So when you've got a rookie like that who's breathing down your neck and you've got a guy like Dexter McCluster that Tennessee wants to use and you're on a really young offense with Marcus Mariota, with uh, Doriel Green-Beckham, uh, and honestly, everyone on that team, uh, with the exception, I guess, of like Kendall Wright, who's, who's in an offensive positional role, is either like really young or really old. <laughs> and they've got like, uh, or at least in physical sense, if not you know mentally, so they've got like Hakeem Nix, who was super injured, still has oh, yeah, a return his to body form. is really old. You've got Harry Douglas, um, and you've got, uh, um, and then you've got Green Beckham, right? And then Green and Beckham and Mario Ta and David Cobb and Bishop Sankey. So, did you happen to catch any of the Titans preseason game? It was like the national game on Sunday night. I was no, I was kind of surprised at that, but anyways. Um, the Titans' offense looked great, which surprised me against the Rams. Well, remember, but it's preseason. It's, preseason. it's preseason. Bishop Sankey ran the ball very well. I'm sure the Rams did not. It's preseason. Press, I did it's not preseason. Press their players. Yeah, I, I know. They're I, one of the best defenses certain. in the league. I'm yeah. almost certain. I mean, Je- they gave Jeff Fisher a really nice welcome back to Tennessee <laughs> when he got there, and he was probably like, "All right, guys, you can win. Yeah, I'll just let you win. It's a preseason game. I, mean, I want to get my guys some reps." Well, you know, and I know, and especially like Jeff Fisher. And the St. Louis defense, they know exactly what they're doing. And and they need to really take a look at those guys that are like number two and three on the depth charts, not the guys that are number one. Right. So I bet they kind of scrimmage played. It's funny that they made it the national game. I didn't realize that. It was the Rams and the Titans. Oh, you know what's funny? It was a national Fox game on the Sunday Steelers night. Steelers-Packers was supposed to be the national game, and they pushed it to one instead of eight. So I blame 
Okay. I blame the NFL. So why did they push that game? I blame the NFL on the injuries to the Steelers players and to Jordy Nelson. Fascinated with like scheduling in the NFL. I don't know why you they don't, pushed. You it. don't know why they pushed it? Why would they make that the national game over the Steelers Packers? Well, what's interesting is the 49ers and the Cowboys were playing at the same time. So my, we're making dinner on Sunday night. My brother tells me what games are on. I go, oh, so we get to watch the 49ers and the Cowboys. He goes, no, it's the Rams and the Titans. And I go, what the fuck? Is, what's, what kind of crap is that? Yeah. That's a scat back. That's right. Shit back. Uh, Isaiah Crowell, number 43 <sighs> on our rankings, ECR of 33 and ADP of 33. So uh, it's one of those guys on the Browns from last year. Do you remember? One of those guys on the Browns. Do you remember Crowell and Terrence West? Yeah, they're all scat Did you own either of those? In I had. I, I was starting Terrence West a bunch. Yeah, and, and he didn't really end up taking the job. It was Crowell who took it over at the end of the season. There was a couple of games where all three of them had like seventy yards and a touchdown, and you know they they were all an okay start if you started them. Crowell had eight touchdowns last year, which is why people think he he is a good back. They're kind of hyping him up a little bit. Yeah, because a lot of good news coming about Duke Johnson too. Well, that's the thing is Duke Johnson is a rookie again, kind of like that same situation that we're seeing in Tennessee with David Cobb, rookie coming in and squeezing out Bishop Sankey. You could see that exact same thing happen in Cleveland. Yeah, none of the guys in Cleveland are impressive enough to hold off the rookie. You know, for sure. Well, so, we have to see. Everyone's going to get their chance. And I mean, we've been we've been talking about all these teams, right? Have overvalued running backs uh, because there's probably a problem with them uh, locking down their role because there's just too many people. There's uh, too big of a committee in those particular offenses, right? You want to go in fantasy with the most guaranteed touches per week that gives you the most opportunities to get yards to score touchdowns. Um, if you're gonna just gamble on, you know, all the guys who have a few touches but you know have a huge chance, if you're gonna start, you know, every wide receiver that only gets long bombs, and you know, it's like, like Kenny Stills and Anton Smith would be in your starting lineup, and that's just not enough uh, consistency to win games. Right. So let's talk about a different kind of situation. So Carlos Hyde, number twenty-seven in our rankings, ECR of nineteen and seventeen. So we think Carlos Hyde is an overvalued running back. Uh, because Hyde is replacing Frank Gore. Frank Gore is a guy who's been there for a long time, gotten 1,000 yards every single season, a ton of touchdowns. He gets all the work. He's a very uh, durable running back, etc. Um, and he may well be the RB1 in that offense, but they did add Reggie Bush as a passing down back. Yeah. And uh, Hyde has only rushed 83 times for 333 yards in his career in the NFL. <laughs> so that's not really enough. It's like a Joseph Randall kind of situation where we look at someone and we say, well, they ran the ball. They did, you know, like 60 or so times. But does that really tell us? You know, does that really... tell you a lot over the course of 16 games? Can that tell us anything other than maybe he's an average running back that maybe could be good? Is that enough to make him, uh, you know, ADP of 17? He's got four rushing yards per attempt. You know, I mean... So, uh, yeah, uh, they do have uh, a couple of other guys on their team, but let's say that those are just depth at the position. They're just the backups. Uh, the problem with the 49ers and with Carlos Hyde being a guy that does really well is that the 49ers had an unprecedented loss to their personnel list, you know, this, this particular offseason. They lost a ton of defensive guys, a ton of offensive guys uh, through trades or through retirement. They basically were just decimated. Um, and now they got new team management as well. So 
you think that probably their defense isn't going to be as good, which means the teams are going to score more points against them. Their offense may not be as good. Um, with the exception of Torrey Smith, they didn't really upgrade anything. Um, and they lost some guys on the offensive line, I believe. So if they have to pass the ball more because they fall behind in games, which is unlike the 49ers generally, then Reggie Bush will probably end up being a more dominant force in those catch-up situations than a Carlos Hyde, which is kind of similar to what we were talking about in Cincinnati. Maybe. Let's say Cincinnati doesn't end up being a team that has, uh, you know, uh, the ability to go to the playoffs, etc. Certainly didn't look that way on Monday when they played Tampa Bay. <laughs> they looked pretty bad. Put it this way, Andy Dalton was in playoff form. Then you'll I see... forget who said that, but not me. Right. You'll see more Bernard in that case, right? So that's just how it happens. Um, and yeah, Reggie Bush, you know, we can't say for sure that he's going to be better than Hyde in any sense. But, yeah. But Hyde is not a guy who was put there to be the third down back. And if they get in situations like that, they will bring out a Reggie Bush or someone else. Uh, they will bring out. I don't know that that's going to matter for Reggie Bush because I think that Colin Kaepernick is going to scramble more. Uh, in those situations anyways. No, no, it does, that doesn't matter. The point is, Hyde is then not on the field. Exactly, exactly. I, I'm not saying Bush is great or not great. It's it's just that Hyde going as an ADP of 17, which, by the way, the ECR saying 19 means that all experts agree, uh, you know, in average anyway, that the people that are out there right now drafting Carlos Hyde think it's just a hype machine. Yeah. And, and so do we. But we're... 10 points behind him, which means that anybody following our rankings, anybody following our Drink 5 rankings will not draft Carlos Hyde because someone else will. And, right, let them. Let them. Exactly. Agreed. Um, Present them. <laughs> uh, so if we, if we talk about other uh, overvalued guys, that means, again, that those are, are people that we, uh, we like more than like the ADP or the uh, expert ranking in general. So... Uh, I'm sorry, no, we like the opposite, yes. So guys, uh, for example, that we think that way of right now are uh, guys like Joseph Randall, Latavius Murray, um, David Cobb from Tennessee has a really high uh, ECR, Alfred Blue from Houston, because I don't know if you guys saw the same game I saw, but Alfred Blue is not a good running back. He's really not. You know, I he, did not catch the text in the second game. Well, he, he found an opening in one of those games and ran for a while, but did you see him... Last year, weren't his points negative per touch? No. No, no. <laughs> no, he doesn't enter into Blake Bortles. Or not Blake Bortles. Um, Oh, I forget who the quarterback is that has a negative rating in our system. But well, he's bad. Whoever it is got to be pretty bad, right? Uh, Alfred Blue stats for 2014. Uh, he had uh, 3.1 yards per carry. Um, and that's that's pretty dismal in an offense like Houston's. Where he had almost the same... He actually had twice as much work as Carlos Hyde. There you go. <laughs> you know, he had twice as many opportunities as Carlos Hyde to, like, show something. And he showed that he has way fewer uh, yards per touch. Yeah, and, and that's the issue, is that you can't just put a guy into the slot of someone else, like Arian Foster, and say, well... Not always. Sometimes you can. Well, there's a guy there, so that guy should do well no matter who he is. Because he's being put into the system. Arian Foster is a special talent. Absolutely. Um, and if we, if I, I think s- the Cowboys might find out that Demarco Murray is also a special talent. They may. They may not. They may not have a special talent there this year. We'll see. Uh, they they do have an amazing offensive line, but I am that not. Is. I'm not a huge fan of Joseph Randall for sure. 
Of course, that could bite me in the ass. It'll be Darren McFadden. So how about some rookie running backs and just uh, shoot over them real quick? All right, well, we did talk about Melvin Gordon uh, a little bit already. He's number 15 in our rankings. He's the clear uh, first and second down back in San Diego. Um, And uh, we also like his uh, third down guy. So, I don't know, we must like the Chargers this year. Well, the Chargers, I mean, not taking too much away from this running back discussion, but Rivers is still good, right? Uh, they have they're in uh, a division where they have to score points. They have a guy Keenan Allen who is being undervalued this year. Yeah, um, and they have a guy Stevie Johnson who's one of the sleepers that I've heard all around the place, and I agree with personally. Uh, they still have guys like Malcolm Floyd and, and uh, uh, who's the other wide receiver there? Keenan Allen. Well, we said Keenan. Allen. Oh, you said Keenan Allen. <laughs> I, I don't know that they go more than three deep there. For to be honest with you, no, fair enough. I mean, there probably is another guy, and they have but I don't know that he's going to be relevant. Some combination of like a young Ladarius Green and, and old Antonio Gates. They've got Melvin Gordon and Danny Wood. I wonder if Green does really well if Gates kind of just gets pushed to the back burner. Well, he's old. He scored it, so many touchdowns last year, though. That's the problem. And, and the problem is that he did so well last year. That's that a I, good problem to I, have. But I can't say. You know, you. You can't possibly just say someone won't do well if they did well last year. You can't just put the kibosh on them. I learned my lesson with Frank Gore. I I cannot say that anymore. Frank I'm, Gore, we said it last year. He still lived up to his stats. We've his said that stats. for three years. Mm-hmm. And Frank Gore will still probably get a thousand yards. Oh, on he's the moving to a much better offense this year. He's going to get another thousand. Yeah, and and I mean, speaking of Frank Gore, he's ranked 14. If we look at uh, how we rank him compared to everyone else. The ECR is 13, and the ADP is 15. So, he's, so we're right in there with everyone else. He's going to be exactly that. And right. Like, Frank Gore is going to be Frank Gore again this year, guys. <laughs> surprise, surprise. So it is a, it's a tough one to go over, yeah. Uh, TJ Yeldon, who is the Jacksonville uh, rookie running back, is number 23 in our rankings. And I think, personally, he'll end up being a good running back on an up-and-coming offense. The problem, though, is that Jaguars aren't great yet. And no matter who, at least in recent history, after Maurice Jones-Drew left They're the team... They're not great yet. I like that you included that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I like their defense. I like I like what they look like. I like that they're making good decisions. Uh, they have a lot of good wide receiver talent, and they have a quarterback that's decent. So, and Shad Khan has one of the best mustaches in the NFL. There you go. That's That brings them up in our rankings even more. Of course. Uh, but whoever is the running back who gets the most amount of touches there lately has not been very good overall. Uh, you know, whether that be a guy like Denard Robinson or uh, who else did Jacksonville have? I think they had Ben Tate or is that Cleveland? Uh, Jacksonville does not. They have Toby Gerhardt. They had Toby Gerhardt. Well, they still have Toby Gerhardt. They have Denard Robinson, TJ Yeldon. What is he doing Toby for Gerhardt. them now? Like serving them coffee? He's their third running back. Okay. He's getting the rookies coffee. I'm not sure that I'll see Toby Gerhardt very much, but. He's like the veteran running back on that team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there won't be much of it. So I give him the benefit of the doubt because I think Yeldon could be the first guy that comes in and actually takes the job. Uh, anyway, uh, Amir Abdullah, here's another guy. Number 30 in our rankings. And the hype on Abdullah grows a whole lot. Now, uh, if, for example, you look at some of these other guys and, and they're sort of closer to where we're ranking them, well, the ADP and ECR for Abdullah is more like 23 or so. He's really moved up in the past week or two because everyone has just said, uh, one, Joyke Bell's not even playing. And two, yeah. Theo Riddick it could have a role, but 
Amir Abdullah seems to be better at him that, at that role. So he's a guy that a lot of people are saying maybe he'll just be the number one back, you know, of uh, of the Lions for the for the year because he takes over Bell's role. He'll probably get a bump in our ratings soon too. It, probably, yeah. And, and before the, the third preseason New shit game, has come to light. May tell us some stuff. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this looks like a committee, which is the problem to me. So if Bell does end up being healthy and playing, he will be at least like uh, splitting lead carries. And if that's the case, then that automatically puts Abdullah, uh, you know, below the top 20. He can't even break in and if that's the case. Because there's also a Theo Riddick. And heck, I don't even want to talk about Zach Zenner, who's just some crazy number four running back. <laughs> Double who, Z. Who apparently did really well in a preseason game last week. Which is one of the reasons I don't like preseason games. Because that's the only football you've seen for a lot of these guys. Because people overreact. And they're like, here's this amazing run. Like, oh, this guy should be our starter. I'm like, well, he's not even playing against number oh, one Oh, I bought guys. into it for just a little while watching the Bears game. Uh, the guy that they had in the second half. And I, I keep forgetting his freaking name. Who? Uh, Jeremy Langford? Yeah, Jeremy Langford looked really good well, sure. on Saturday night against the Colts. Um, but it was all second half work, pretty much. None of that even matters in the slightest. Right. You know, you look at these games and you want your team to do well. And if your team does but well, he looks better than Kadeem Carey. I think you know it's possible that he takes his place. It's certainly possible. I I don't know that that these like second and third string running backs even really uh, show anything if they're running against teams that are like playing their second string defenses. That's true because those guys have to perform against the first team. Exactly, <laughs> and and you might have a team that has a good second string defense, right, and make you look bad. But that's that's just because that team has good depth at D. That's not because you suck. <laughs> when you're playing like well put. some guy, uh, you know, Langford's playing against some third string dude in the third quarter or fourth quarter, and he's running all over him. It could be because that guy isn't even going to make the team. He's not even going to be in the NFL next year, this year. Anyway, uh, Abdullah is a guy that I'm really on the fence with. I like Abdullah. I think that he could definitely be uh, a running back of the future over for the Lions. Yeah. But Bell is not uh, an old back, and like he's not a bad back, and they have a whole bunch of other things going on on the Lions in general. Um, is it someone I can count on? I-, I think that I'm more comfortable taking Abdullah in like a deeper dynasty league than taking him in a redraft league. Because I'm not sure I want someone on my team on a week-to-week basis that I'm not sure how many carries they're going to get. And that's a, you know, we've been hammering that point down all night. Uh, Tevin Coleman, number 34 in our rankings, he is a fast guy. He's elusive. He's also injured. He has a hamstring problem. Uh, Him and Devonta Freeman uh, have not been doing much in camp besides watching on the sidelines. Right? So... Both of these guys are not really doing much of anything right now because the entire backfield of Atlanta is on the bench, injured. Uh, they just <laughs> let go of Steven Jackson. And they were like, thank God we don't have Steven Jackson anymore. We're going to let our young talent loose. And then now none of them can play. Well, Anton Smith is going to come to the rescue. <laughs> Maybe he will. I don't know. But what do we think here? Do, do you know a lot about Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman? Um, Devonta Freeman more because we've actually seen him play. Um, but you know what I've seen, it, the running game in Atlanta has really struggled for years, 
And the only bright light has been Anton Smith, like, occasionally lighting up the field. Um, Tev- so Tevin Coleman is sort of like the, the prospect right now to be their guy. Because, like you said, Devonta Freeman is not someone who has impressed. And it's not really someone who, even though he might be the incumbent guy there... Uh, yeah. is, is people are expecting him to to be like a lead back down the stretch. Devontae Freeman's uh, stats are similar to Alfred Blue's with a smaller sample size, and that sucks. It just <laughs> it's terrible to deal with that kind of information. It really is. Um, okay, so it's someone to He's watch out between for. Carlos Hyde and Alfred Blue. Hey, but like we said earlier, if Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman like keep getting injured throughout the season. Expect our guy Anton Smith to come up and be the most amazing running back you've ever seen in your life. It's going to happen. <laughs> no one's going to remember the name of Adrian Peterson because they're going to all remember Anton Smith. That's a ridiculous That's thing to say. That's a crazy thing to say. And Anton is 29 years old, so if he's going to do it, he better do it quickly. Someone give him a call and let him know he needs to show up. Oh, man. Uh, Todd Gurley is number 24 in our rankings. Gurley, he has, he's the guy in St. Louis, and he's going to be... According to a lot of people I know that are very familiar with college football, more familiar than me, uh, going to be a guy who is sort of uh, Adrian Peterson-y. And by that, I mean a, a guy who in five years we're going to look back and be like, that was you know Matt Forte, that was Adrian Peterson, that was Marshawn Lynch. Is He's one of these guys who's going to come up in the league and be a top five running back in the NFL. And St. Louis is a good place to do it because they are building a huge line they uh they have a nice team uh they may not have that great of a passing offense so they're just gonna pound the ball as much as they can um and Gurley could be that guy now the problem is he's recovering from a torn acl which nowadays is not that big of a deal uh those everyone guys, gets it fixed now because people used to never even get it fixed yeah now they come back and they're just as good if not like bionically enhanced yes ever um, so slightly <laughs> and so what's cool about Gurley? is that uh, although he's going to be probably getting a lot of runs taken away from him uh, by Trey Mason in the early weeks, it looks like he might actually start at the beginning of the season in week one or two or three and start being out there and taking over the backfield. Yeah. And if that happens, then I think as long as he's not injured again, by the end of the season, he'll end up being a top 10 running back. And if you can take him at a spot like number 24, that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous value. So I'm not sure what his ADP is. Maybe you can check that out. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, pulling that up right but now. But we rank him 24, and that is because he is a guy that can come in and demolish other teams in the second half. If you get him now, then you're really only grabbing an RB3 that you won't have available for maybe two or three weeks. And, you know, like I was even saying with Le'Veon Bell, if I'm okay with that at the beginning of the draft, then you should be okay with it anywhere in the draft. Well, imagine you get Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley, and they end up being top three running backs. And it all starts week three. Then you win. When we're in St. Louis. Then you win. I just want to see that game. Oh, we're going to that game. We're right. going to be at that game. Uh, so Todd Gurley, <laughs> his ADP is 22. So we're uh, they're actually two ahead of us on that. His ECR is 25. We're one above that. And it all depends on, on when you think he's going to come back. But the point is, he is recovering. He will be back. And he, a lot of people say, has the makings of uh, you know just a masterpiece in the NFL. One of those superstar running backs. It's going to be around for a number of years. And if you're in a redraft league, you should get him while you can get him at 24. Because next year, he might be 6. He might be 4. You, know? you mean in some sort of keeper league? No, no, I mean in a regular redraft league. If you oh. don't take him this year, it, like this low ADP, 
I mean, next year he might be a top 10 running back and impossible for you to grab in that first round. Well, yeah. I mean, he will be. <laughs> well, so so one of the things that I like to stress to people, right, is that you should take anyone that you can take that you think will finish in like the top 10 or 20 at their position. And their relative value, if the ADP is lower than 20, you need to take him ahead of time. This is one of those situations where it's okay to reach if you think that guy is going to be a top 10 running back, then you will kill all the teams you play. It doesn't matter if he's not playing for you in the first week or two. Especially since guys who don't start out like as that just steamroller finish off so well. And it's so much more important to be playing well at the end of the season than it is at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, you might lose those games anyway because of some freak performances or whatever. You might as well get people that are well-rested and ready to yeah, go. You can't play defense. <laughs> That's all. Get the, the you saw the all ACL team that people were developing. Oh, what's the all ACL team? Well, it's just all the people that have had ACL so far. But it's getting so pretty starting good. starting wide receivers Jordy Nelson and Kelvin Benjamin. It's getting pretty good. Ouch, <laughs> that hurts. Anyway, uh, I think maybe there's some kind of like uh, all you know uh, I don't know the best way to pronounce or to 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 come up with that name, but uh, basically a team where you're assembling it out of people that are not ready or that won't get the majority of carries uh, all rookie team early in the season that they'll get later. No, I don't want an all rookie team. Oh, all slow starters. Yeah. Team. All rookie team has never won anyone a season. Oh, uh, no, that's not going to help. <laughs> all slow starters. The slow starter team. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. It's lots of running backs and not a whole lot of wide receivers. Well, I, as we looked at last year, wide receivers definitely start a lot stronger. Yeah, the running backs have to sort of build up, and, and once they do, they have a higher uh, propensity to getting injured, which, of course, is, is not great either. Right. Um, so uh, I think that Gurley is a, is a good pick that you should definitely consider in your drafts, and somewhere around 20 is a good spot to take him, uh, especially if you already have one guy uh, that you can start every week at least. Because I feel like if you get a running back four, you could start him, at least for a game or two. You know, we're talking about guys like uh, like Sankey, you know, uh, guys that we have in in our rankings. And I, I don't want to recommend anybody take Sankey. As, uh, <laughs> well, you could always nab like a D'Angelo Williams at the end of a draft. Well, no, D'Angelo Williams is much lower than that. But, uh, oh, you're saying because you can have... If, if you need to fill in for those weeks. I, I don't know how much, being a Steelers fan, I trust D'Angelo Williams as like getting a whole lot of carries. I mean, I, I agree. They definitely were working him out a lot in the preseason. Well, they would, of course they would. Yeah, but like the volume of touches that he was getting led me to believe that he, they really want him to be ready. Of course they do. But I mean, like, you know, they weren't playing their their major starters really until just recently. Uh, granted, well, though. Yeah, they started slower because they have three, an extra game. Yeah, but he has to be a guy. He has to be a guy. That is able to fill in because if the Steelers don't win the first couple games, they're going to be in trouble. They have one of the hardest schedules in the NFL. Um, but I'm looking at guys like Legarrette Blunt, uh, guys like maybe Darren Sproles or Ryan Matthews. You know, those guys may be people you can slot in for those first couple games and still be okay without a Le'Veon Bell or a Todd Gurley. Andre Williams, maybe, you know. Yeah, uh, those those kind of guys. I mean, hell, you want a bunch of those guys anyways because they're going to look good by the end of the year. Well, remember Doug, Danny Woodhead. Doug Martin's still going with an ADP of thirty-two. However, he looked good last. As night. much as as Doug Martin may look okay in preseason, I am not no longer allowing myself to pick him up. He will not be fooled league. again. 
I will not pick him up in any leagues. Fool me three times. Seriously, shame on me, guys. Yeah, he, you know, he does look good, but I can't handle it. I cannot handle Muscle Hamster on my team. He's already messed me up two years in a row on some, some of my squads, right? Let's so, someone else not going to happen. So, um, Dave, we actually got a question on Twitter while we were talking here. Um, and it's on a different position, but I think we're kind of wrapping up the running backs right now. Um, I wanted to explore this really quickly. Uh, we have on our rankings, uh, Martavis Bryant is really high up. Um, I think he's 12 or 13 on our rankings. And so a guy on Twitter just asked us, why is he that high? Okay. Right. So, um, you know, Martavis Bryant last year had one of the highest uh, outputs of any wide receiver in the league. He was scoring 3.59 points per touch last year. And uh, like most people, we do uh, sort of, you know, allow that, okay, that's probably going to be a regression. They're probably going to come down. But even considering he's going to uh, not be producing at the same kind of level. How many points per touch? He had 3.59 points per touch. That doesn't seem possible. <laughs> it doesn't seem possible. But when you look at it, he is Anton Smith-like in his uh, prolificness. So he had 26 catches, and eight of them were touchdowns. And if I, I'm a Steelers fan, I, I, he only played 50% of all the snaps. Right, so he's not even on the field that much, and that's what I think worries people so much, but he scores touchdowns so damn often. This offense doesn't need you to be on the field 100% of the time. Right, because uh, Ben Roethlisberger is a smart enough quarterback to know that he is going to be throwing to him uh, whenever he gets a chance. It's like, I liken it to what we had with Kenny Stills a few years ago with, uh, with Drew Brees, what we thought it could be. I think that this is going to be that. He's going to be one of these guys like in the Deshaun Jackson mold who's going to get like 50 to 60 catches, maybe. Well, that's what they want because uh, Marcus Wheaton has this relationship with 60s pushing it, I think. And Marcus Wheaton is a guy who Roethlisberger wants to trust more and wants to have like a better relationship with, and he's still going to have the same amount of snaps. Roethlisberger so, really wants like that bigger third down guy. Yeah, so Bryant is still going to have the same role this year as he did last year, except that the Steelers' uh, components are just that much better. I mean, it's going to be Bryant and Wheaton and uh, Antonio Brown, and they're all going to be awesome. Yeah, they have... It's just like the uh, Broncos a couple years ago. Well, we talked about this. The Broncos, the Packers, the Steelers, like these guys have the best offenses in the league. They can support three wide receivers. And this will be a year where like a Wheaton could finish up as like a WR3 or 4, a Bryant could be a WR1 or 2, and an Antonio Brown could be a WR1. It's it's sort of like could be he will be it's 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 sort of like the Packers situation you know Antonio when, Brown is going to carry his streak the whole season. Well, this is and they're not the same players, but you look at like you said uh, the Broncos situation. Uh, I can see Roethlisberger throwing for five thousand yards this year. I mean, heck, he was only like forty short last year, and they didn't start doing amazing. They got more amazing as the season went on. It was a freight train, right? So I think your answer, uh, LJ Day, is uh, 3.59 points per touch last year. Doesn't look to regress very much, but even if he does, he'll still be a top 15 receiver. And we count on the Steelers' offense being top three in the NFL. So there's no reason to not draft him high. Now, keep in mind that that's our ranking for him. It doesn't mean that's necessarily where you should pick him up in your draft. Because as it will, I suppose this would be a teaser for next week, but I would almost guarantee you that his ECR is like way lower. Are you, are you uh, checking that out right now? Uh, no, I'm not. 
But okay. if you if you look up where his ADP is, we'll get a good idea. I would think Bryant would probably be somewhere around uh, maybe twenty three. Your guess like for that. his ADP is twenty three. Uh, it's twenty four. Okay. So, Overall, sixty five wide receiver ranked twenty four. Yeah. Okay. okay. So he's being drafted. Twenty seven. He's being drafted in the seventh round, and that's too low. Yes, I so think so. What you should do is you should keep in mind that the Steelers haven't played in a while and that Bryant only had half the snaps that he did last year. I mean, uh, that Bryant only got half the snaps that he played out on last year. And you should take him so about... He's only in on 10 games anyways. You should take him in a, a rank or two, I mean, a round or two earlier than uh, his ADP so that you are able to uh, cash in on the top 15 performance. Sixth round is totally reason like good value for him. Plus, you're taking him before other people are. Yep. Um, if there's any other questions, feel free to ask us. Again, we're available, you know, every nine o'clock p.m. Central Time on Tuesdays, unless, of course, uh, you know, there's some better reason for us to not be here. Like, uh, sure. Let's say, let's see, what situation? Let's say I'm in a tropical paradise. Okay, tropical paradise. Or maybe I'll bring the podcasting equipment with me, but I'm not going to leave there for. Just one night of this. <laughs> no, I think I think people would be okay with uh, you know one week without us. It would be all right. Uh, but but next week we're looking forward to wide receivers, and we're going to have a guest on Sean Foss, uh, who is our no, rookie. No, Sean's not coming until the week after. Oh, two. So what what is that? That's tight end defense, or uh, that'll be tight end, but also the week one preview, because week that will be the last show before there is real football on. Gotcha. So, there are only two more podcasts. After tonight, until real football, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, then while we don't have a We're guest there. scheduled just yet next week, we do have the wide receiver show coming up. And, and we're going to do the same kind of thing we did in the past two weeks. So we'll be looking over the overvalued and undervalued receivers. Really, talk- if anyone wants to come and hang out and talk about wide receivers, bring, a, bring some beer. Well, you have to know us first, but you know you can email us or give us a call if you do know us. Well, I figure they have to know us to know how to get here. Well, that would be a little creepy if someone randomly did show up. Yes, I well don't don't be doing your snooping, uh, guys. You know, <laughs> you don't need to no be hacking. Please don't need to hack our accounts. But uh, we we do appreciate you listening up. And uh, if uh, there's anything else you want to chat about, Jason, the floor is yours. Um, uh, do you want to talk about Mr. Robot for a few minutes? <laughs> that seems really unrelated it's quite unrelated you're right uh, but uh but if anyone know, hasn't seen that show check it out usa really awesome yes yeah, really good show we're heading for the finale and uh it's probably the best show on the summer uh no I, i'm pretty good to be honest with you um uh i'm happy this evening uh with my lagunitas sucks we did not go over what beers we are drinking well then that's what we can talk about lagunitas sucks folks uh it's the brown sugar substitute ale um Remembering uh, the story of it instead of reading it aloud, they were unable to produce enough brown sugar to make it worthwhile one year. And everyone was mad at them. So they came up with another beer that they were able to make with fewer resources. (laughs) And uh, it became Lagunitas Sucks. And every time I give this beer to somebody, they say, that's a really good beer. They don't suck. (laughs) Well, I do like that beer. Plus it comes in these uh, giant 32-ounce containers, which only cost like 7 bucks, and that's not a bad deal. Uh, I'm drinking... Uh, and we're now supporting local beer. Brimstone India Pale Ale from Church Street, uh, which is a local beer. 
And uh, Lagunitas is also a local beer, I suppose. Although you can't really call them a microbrewery anymore. They're kind of a macro brewery. Oh, no, I would not. But they are local now. Yes. <laughs> They're a local national. I, I am only looking for pure technicalities. They're a local national brewery. Sure. And if you are, if you happen to be listening and you're in the Chicago area, the Lagunitas Brew Tour uh, of their facility is really cool. So it comes highly recommended. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think that's that's probably all we have for tonight, and so I'm glad you guys were able to join us for the Running Back Show. Uh, like we mentioned, we've done a draft strategy show, we've done a quarterback show, and a running back show. If you are interested in checking those out, go back to our website, drink5.com, and you can see those at the podcast section. Uh, we're also going to start having all of our writers contributing uh, material on a weekly basis. So, kick it into high gear. So you guys can bookmark or favorite our website. Uh, and, of course, check out our rankings at Fantasy Pros. We plan on being one of the you know more highly ranked experts at the end of the year. So, uh, as always, Jason. Drink five, Dave. Drink five. Cheers. <laughs>